guys, welcome back to another episode of the Freedom Flipping Podcast. We're all about building up and selling websites to achieve financial freedom. This is episode 21 and on today's show I've got a great guest, Justin Gilchrist from OptimumFeedback.com. Justin has been in the game of building and selling websites since 2003 and he sold a web due diligence company called Centurica back in 2012-13. We discuss his exit from Centurica and how he sold most of his websites and what he's up to now with his SaaS, and also investing outside of online business in terms of property. On this episode, again, I'm giving away another free subscription to Ahrefs, so look out for that halfway through. But without further ado, here is the episode with Justin, and I'll catch you at the end. Cheers. Hey, how's it going, Justin? It's going good, thank you. That's good. I see you're up in Manchester, yeah? Certainly am. I'm by Trafford Park, probably about uh, five minutes from the Man United Stadium, which is good or bad, depending on whether or not you're a Man U fan. Yeah, so I moved here probably about uh, 15, my gosh, that makes me feel old, 15 years ago now. Uh, moved from the Midlands, moved up here, haven't looked back since. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a great place to be. Good. No, I like Manchester. I'm uh, Norwich-based, so south southeast of the country. Um, very rare to have two British people talking about building and selling internet businesses, but here, here, here we are. <laughs> yeah, it is. I think your, your accent might throw me off every now and then because I'm used to speaking to people from uh, the States. So yeah, I might get all weirded out at one point, but okay. we'll get apart from that. <laughs> so I was first aware of you from your Centurica business that you sold to Chris Yates of the Rhodium community that we're both members of. So perhaps you could start there with what happened with Centurica. Yeah, for sure. So I started Centurica back in maybe 2012 or 2013. I can vaguely remember uh, with uh, Brian O'Neill, who uh, is okay. now with Quiet Light, um, who's also a really close friend of mine. The and, online brokerage, the, the website brokerage. Yeah, yeah. that's the one. And uh, another close friend of mine, Kaspers, who uh, he's over in Riga, Latvia. Um, so we started that company purely because there was a need. We we're all in the space. We we're all really interested in the space. But more importantly, we—I wouldn't say we're—you know—we're not claiming to be philanthropists who are trying to sort of save everybody from um, from the sort of fraud that was happening. But it, it was really annoying us, and mm. it was difficult seeing there were so many people getting conned and defrauded by less than ethical sellers um, who were misrepresenting the things they were selling. So it seemed like a way to do some good, but also to make some money. Um, so we set up Centurica and yeah, we, we took it from there. Okay. And back 2011, 2012, you're saying is when you started um, that? Yeah, it may have been 2012, 2013. My memory's a little bit, uh, when, a little bit easy. Uh, when did, uh, when was Empire and, and FE International, when did they come on? Was it just Flipper back then or had, had Empire yeah. started? Yeah. So Brian, interestingly, actually started FE International. Um, so he was the original founder of Refi International with Thomas. Yeah. Um, they started that back in probably 2011, um, way back, uh, way back in the early days of this. And I think they were one of the, um, you know, at the time they were a new brokerage, but they were sort of one of the, the, the newer brokerages around that time. Brian then left Refi International um, at the point when he started Centurica. Oh, okay. And Empire Flippers, Justin and Joe had been around for a while as well, mostly blogging. Um, and I think they set up uh, Empire Flippers originally, which then became Empire, mm -hmm. but moved into brokerage probably a little bit later. Um, but Justin and Joe were always, um, you know, insanely good at getting content out there. And yeah, yeah. anyone that's ever met them will testify they're probably two of the nicest guys in the industry. So I think it was probably a, a good segue for them. 
Very good. So you founded the business because you were hearing a lot of negative experiences from buyers outside of these platforms or also possibly back in the day from bad experiences on, on brokerages? Um, it wasn't really from brokerages. So there were certain brokerages who, I mean, I'm perfectly happy to name, but um, <laughs> there were brokerages yeah. who one or two are still around that had a really bad reputation. And these guys oh, okay. were taking people's money for listings that they knew were bad for businesses that they knew wouldn't pan out. And I think some of them are still doing that today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, a, a lot of it was brokerages. Some of it was Flipper. Um, there was always a lot of junk on Flipper. So it was people kind of not realizing what they were getting into. And I think the thing with Flipper, people give Flipper a hard time, but Flipper has never really sort of marketed anything that it wasn't. It was just people's lack of understanding about what they were buying. So you may have a seller that listed something that was junk. Um, it was really up to the buyer to verify that information. Yeah. Um, but they didn't. Flipper was just a marketplace, just a sort of middleman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then sometimes it was people buying from private sellers um, where maybe the seller didn't actually know that what they were selling had problems lying ahead. Um, yeah. Maybe they were people who had an offline business and they had an online element to it, realized that they could separate the online element but didn't really understand online business. So didn't realize that maybe this brilliant site that they've built had you know one main link from their own site. <laughs> Um, which mm. isn't good if you're the buyer of that and you're forever dependent on the, the previous owner for all of your traffic. Yeah. Um, I mean, I've certainly had bad experiences uh, buying sites that then instantly fell apart. So, um, oh, sure. yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a big issue for, for sure. And it's very hard to validate. I mean, even looking at, you know, link profiles and Ahrefs, um, you never know whether sites are, are being hidden um, and whether people are controlling links and, and they, they, you know, it's basically links from friends that end up switching them to a different site. So uh, I've, I've come across some bad experiences personally. So for sure, think, it, it's out there, yeah. I think one of the core tenants behind Centurica because we worked out pretty early on that it's kind of like the, the Pareto principle. So you're always going to have these really exceptional circumstances that might cause your side to completely collapse and you can probably never foresee these but these are always the minority mm. and i know Pareto's 80 20 but it's probably more 95 5 where 95 percent of the problems that you would get with an online business could usually be nailed down to one of like maybe five or six different things so things like the domain um the traffic and how that traffic was built um the diversity of that traffic so you're getting you know 10 percent of traffic from one source um looking at it and thinking that you're only getting 10 percent, it may seem that it's not that relevant but if that 10 percent happens to be you know 80 percent of the conversions um that's when you really need to dig down and investigate because it's actually a lot more substantial than you'd realize Totally. So how did Centurica come about and how did you first get started in online business? Credit for the idea is actually Brian's, uh, is Brian's idea and he kind of contacted myself to help start the company. But it was originally his idea uh, that we could kind of systemize due diligence um, and ultimately you know, cut a lot of that risk out by following this system or this process. But I originally got into this as a graphic designer many, many years ago, probably around 2003 or 2004. And this was when the web wasn't anywhere near what it is now. And a lot of offline companies were working out that e-commerce was a great distribution channel for them, but didn't really understand traffic or search optimization and this was back when paid traffic was so easy you could spend, you know, two, three pence a click um, and get really high, <laughs> high converting traffic. Yeah. So 
we would build sites and people would have a lot of budget to build the site. Um, but then a year would go by and they would have done absolutely nothing because they had the assumption that if they built it, people would just turn up and start buying things. So I spoke to one of the guys who we built a site for. Um, the site was great and the products that he was selling were quite unique. So I saw an opportunity. The site wasn't doing anything in terms of traffic. It wasn't getting any hits. It wasn't ranking very well. Um, so we bought the site back off him and turned that site around, uh, warehouse the products ourselves and got customer support in place, got some good marketing in place and then realized that we had an opportunity. So we originally started out, um, contacting any of our clients who we'd built e-commerce sites for and asking them if they were in a position to sell, if they'd mm. like to sell, but then started venturing out from that and looking at just any sites in general. And the things that we did back then wouldn't work now. It was really easy back then to send an email to somebody and actually have a decent chance of <laughs> acquiring that site without them plucking a, a billion dollars as a figure out there. <laughs> yeah, I've had that recently. So, um, yeah, now as, now I wouldn't do it. The odds are, are certainly against you. Yeah, myself and, and business partner, uh, a guy who, who bought one of my sites a year ago, um, I've continued working with him and I've got a, a good relationship. We were looking to buy a SaaS that was um, pitched at, at around just a very small uh, little uh, software company at 30K that ended up with uh, a sales price on it of 300K <laughs> after, <laughs> after talking to the sellers. So, you know, um, the, the problem with SaaS is I blame Silicon Valley. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> First of all, everyone's talking in multiples of revenue, not multiples of net profit. It was a multiple of revenue. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Right, okay. And yeah. you just get people that they only read about the success stories. So they'll read in TechCrunch that some site has been acquired for like, you know, 300 or Zenefits is, is now valued at 128x, you know, annual revenue. Yeah. And all of a sudden, because they only see, uh, you know, these examples of, of the higher valued companies that are worth hundreds of millions, they then get an average based on what they see. So that average for their site that's generating 5k a month is now all of a sudden 50x. Mm -hmm. And it, it doesn't add up. But to them, they know no different. They don't see valuations of smaller businesses um, that have been bought and sold. So they only have that to go off. So it kind of makes sense. Why True. Yeah, Why? no, you, you, yeah, no, for for sure, for sure. Doesn't um, stop being frustrating as hell. Yeah, yeah, that, that, that was. Um, so, with the e-commerce sites that you were originally building and then buying back, did you have a traffic source back then that you were focused on? Was it AdWords, or were you doing playing around with organic search back then? Hey guys, this seems like a good moment to cut in and say that I've got another Ahrefs subscription to give away free this episode. Without doubt, Ahrefs is the software tool that I use the most in building up my websites. I've been using it this week to find new skyscraper content ideas and my VAs have been using it to find link prospects to reach out to. The winner from the previous episode, which was with Liam Martin of timedoctor.com, is James Thomas, or at Bootstrap James on Discus, who commented on the show notes, really interesting and insightful how much detail you went into about the content writing and outreach process. We'd love to make use of an Ahrefs description for my own content SEO strategy. Well, ask and you shall receive, James. You'll be getting a free annual subscription. And I'm happy to say I've got another free subscription to give away to listeners of this very episode worth almost $2,000. To be in with a chance to win, simply leave a comment on the show notes, which for this episode is richardpater.com forward slash optimum feedback. And tweet out the episode tagging me at richardpater and at hrefs, which is A-H-R-E-F-S. So thanks to HRS for sponsoring this episode and let's get back to the chat with Justin. Cheers.
Yeah, so we're definitely doing organic search and we worked out pretty early on that if we just added loads of content to, um, you know, sort of, again, the Pareto principle, but if we found the the top kind of 10 or 15 performing products and just optimized those pages, um, so really added a lot of content, added video way back when video was really difficult to add to a page, (laughs) Um, no camera phone shot video back then, I think. Um, So we had to get a little crappy uh, digital handy cam. Yeah. I mean, you know, if we really put time and effort into those pages and built a few spam links from, you know, forum profiles and whatever else was going on back then, then, it, you know, it, it would rank, it would work. Um, but we also had some success with Yahoo and Bing before Yahoo became, I think Yahoo's part of Bing now, right? Yeah, I, th- I think it, ad it consumed within, within Bing, yeah. But um, yeah, we were, you know, sort of using the individual platform. This is way before Facebook marketing, which I think is obviously the the way that's kind of taken precedent now. But um, yeah, yeah, Google, Bing, Yahoo ads, they were cheap as chips and it was easy to get conversions. Very cool. Do you still have a, a portfolio of sites yourself or is uh, the optimumfeedback.com your, your SaaS? Is that your, your main focus right now? No, so we sold pretty much everything towards mm. just after the point when I sold Centurica. I had a, a bit of a, well, not an epiphany, but a moment <laughs> where I realized I, I wanted to do something big, but yeah. I wanted to do something different. So Optimum Feedback was the third idea um, since 2015, 2016. Um, we've been doing that now for about a year. We're starting to get some traction, although it's been a lot slower than I anticipated. Um, I do have one site which I kept, which is good for cash flow and it's low maintenance, uh, which is a, a supplement e-commerce site. Yeah. But other than that, we sold pretty much everything. Very cool. Is that on Shopify? It's not. And I have a bit of guilt. It's on my <laughs> own. Uh, it's kind of hand-coded. It's on my own platform. Yeah. Um, I originally paid someone to replicate it in Shopify. But because of the fulfillment center and being too lazy to figure out how to get a customer integration between Shopify and the fulfillment center, I've had this thing charging me something (laughs) like 79 US dollars a month for two different stores. And I've not done anything with it for about a year. But I will possibly be migrating to Shopify at some point. Ah, interesting. Um, Yeah, with Shopify, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do now with with funnels and one-click upsells and uh, I know uh, a friend of mine, Jordan, at, um, at carthook.com, that is uh, know, got a great product. Yeah, yeah. Um, e-commerce funnels is a, is a very cool place to, to play in. Um, cool. So interesting that you, you wanted to basically sell everything apart from one site. Um, why why not keep cash flowing assets? Why did you? What have you done with uh, with that capital? Are you putting a lot of it into building the SaaS and and, and getting the development team, or have you invested outside of online business now and and, uh, and businesses? It's it stopped being about the money, and I'm not saying that like I was you know filthy rich and Scrooge McDuck jumped into a pile of money and started making money angels. Um, it's just that <laughs> I think you need a you know once you have a sort of a basic or not that basic but once you have a a moderate amount of money Mm. your lifestyle doesn't get any better by adding on a few extra zeros every year so it became a little bit monotonous and I, I don't want to sound ungrateful when I say that but it was kind of an ongoing process of buying a business and then doing pretty much the same things over and over again to grow that business and selling the business and the amounts got bigger and bigger but the thing that I was doing uh didn't really change day in day out and I got to a point where I had a, a daughter and I was sort of figuring out, like, you know, what do I tell my daughter that I do for a living? And it yeah. was really difficult to explain. And 
I, I love what I, I used to do and I still have so much passion for it. I still love speaking to people about it, but I wanted to be the guy that was known for that thing. Um, and I figured the only way to do that was to create something. So that's the idea behind Optimum Feedback. I, I want something that is a challenge, a real difficult challenge. But if I get it right, there's no real ceiling on it. Um, it can be a huge business and I can be the guy that's known for X as opposed to the guy who's struggling to explain to people <laughs> what I do yeah. for a living. I, I, know, I know that one, yeah. yeah. Um, I've got it down to... Well, actually, I don't really have it down. I've never had it down. But, um, <laughs> but I mean, in essence, like the shortest, like, the shortest uh, I can get it to is like I build, I build, buy, and sell content sites. Um, so that's pretty succinct. But still, I mean, what the hell does that mean to anyone? But you're probably used to that look that then yeah. follows that statement where people have no idea what you're talking about, and the majority will be so <laughs> polite, especially in England. They'll be too polite to actually go into detail. Yeah. So they'll forever be thinking, I have no idea what that guy does. It's something to do with the internet. Yeah. Which generally means you're a porn baron if people say that so yeah 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 spammer yeah 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 spammer porn baron viagra yeah, sales, selling selling uh, any one of those drugs online or <laughs> getting people into bitcoin ponzi schemes or something yeah um <laughs> so i mean yeah i, I totally get um you know you, you you've you've you bought sites you did them up you sold them a lot of times and, and that can get monotonous um what was the reason for for wanting to take the you know the full asset cash price rather than get someone else in to, to manage the the sites and and step back completely as owner if if that's even possible i don't, I don't know yeah i think either i've been doing it wrong or i've been deceived by the myth of <laughs> uh, you know management i find that when you're an owner, it's like having children and a nanny. The nanny may look after the child, but you are still ultimately responsible for that child, and that yeah. child will never leave your kind of conscious thoughts. It's true. For me, it was about getting... I, I used to dream about waking up and only having one thing to think about. Yeah. And I know that's probably one of those things that once I do get it or I do achieve it, I'm going to be so bored, I'm just going to want to go straight back into what I was doing before. But I was getting a little bit down and feeling a lot of guilt that I wasn't spending enough time and focus on all of the things that I had because I had so many things. Yeah. So I really like this idea of just having one big thing to focus on. And I think even if I had someone managing that, I'm just not convinced. It would that be a distraction. I, it would always be somewhere in the back of your mind. Yeah. Yeah. Even mentally, even if it's just reviewing figures, they're sending yeah. me on basis i'm still going to be asking questions and then i'm going to be questioning are they doing a good enough job could someone be doing better maybe i should hire somebody else yeah. anytime there's a problem even if they're dealing with that problem it's still at the back of my mind i just wanted that clarity of knowing i can do one thing and focus on one thing and put all of my energy into it and see what's possible if i do that can i ask if you've invested the money in like in more traditional asset classes then that don't require you know any of your involvement maybe index funds or or maybe some kind of property fund. I guess with, with that perspective, um, it would be unlikely that you were to put it into property and be a landlord. Again, it's you know it's that having to think and having the responsibility of something. So where would you put, if you've got that perspective, where is a good place to, to put your money to get the highest return that doesn't take any of your attention? That you, I'd that, actually that say no. So, I mean, a lot of that money went into business and will continue to go into funding optimum feedback. Okay. Um, so we take outside funding too early yeah but I, I did invest in property um and i know it seems counterintuitive <laughs> but property to me i don't worry about property okay uh, in the same way i'd worry about a business the only thing you worry about with property is are there tenants in and are those tenants destroying the places the place looking <laughs> i actually experimented with airbnb here in manchester okay uh, which has worked out well it was a bit of a gamble ah, very uh, cool 
but I mean that's managed by the people who clean it, so there's very little day-to-day involvement. Oh, really? Um, so it's managed. It's a managed department. What, what's the setup? So there's a huge inequity between supply and demand in Airbnb outside London in the major cities, so Manchester, Bristol, Birmingham. So you're seeing occupancy rates of about 90 to 95% on yeah. one and two bedroom apartments in the city. Um, so these apartments, you can pick them up for still a fairly decent price outside of London, um, but you're then getting you know 115 to 150 UK pounds a night as a nightly rate. Mm-hmm. So you're getting really high occupancy. You've got cleaners who can manage things like linen changes and restocking. Um, so from there, it's just automating the part of getting a message out to guests, having a key safe on the door. It can actually be automated pretty well. Are the, so these are serviced apartments that have their own cleaners? Yeah. So they work like a service department, yeah. so, um, using Airbnb as the channel to get people in. Um, oh, really? So a whole, a whole apartment block is doing this? Or is it just, oh, no, just, you, your, just yourself? Yeah, the, the, these are apartments that I buy, uh, not okay, the whole apartment okay. block. Within, within a service department environment that has its own cleaners? No, this is just within a normal apartment, and I add the service department element. For me, like that, that's a lot of moving parts, and I'd be worried if, if something is breaking. Um, do you I mean, do you have a person that is managing the bookings or meeting people, or it's how, how are you doing that? Because there's a really good episode recently, I don't know if you know, the Invest Like a Boss podcast. Uh, I don't. with Sam Marks and Johnny FD and they had it might be the most recent one um, they had a guy I'm looking at, at the page right now uh, who was talking about Airbnb as an income stream and he has a company in America that manages properties um, and they're putting people in through exclusively through Airbnb for the highest yields um, so you you basically you give your property to his this company and they do everything for you and I really like the idea of that um, but how do you do it without any stress if you're managing it yourself so my original plan was i mean first of all i thought i'll buy one and see if the theory holds you know see if the yields are as good and the yields are like 27 28 percent so it was <laughs> that's kind amazing of, yeah, 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 and yeah. That, that's after you know all possible expenses but it was kind of seeing if the yields hold first of all and yeah. then secondly seeing what was required before passing it on to one of these agencies so there's one here in the uk called pass the keys okay who are the agency i plan to pass it on to but I was actually surprised that once I started doing it, I realized that with a little bit of automation on the Airbnb end, it was actually so much less hassle than I anticipated it would be. So I'm, it's been nearly, uh, I think, a year since the first one. Um, and my plan has always been to pass it on to someone like Pass the Keys, but I've just not done it because it's very little work involved on my part. Yeah. The day-to-day management, um, it really is just making sure that message has gone out. And if they reply to something that can't be automated, just sending a you know a, a reply, which is the same time as it takes to send a text message, really. Okay, very cool. What what kind of um, price can you pick up one bedroom apartments up in up in Manchester right now? So one beds, you're trying to stay away from obviously you're trying to stay away from anything that's not in the city centre or anything that's kind of subpar. Not that you won't be able to let it, but just that your occupancy rates will be much lower. So within the city, you're talking 150, 160 for a one bed and around 200 for a two bed. Pretty similar in Norwich, actually. Price, prices down here are getting quite expensive. I think it's proximity to, to both Cambridge and, and London. Um, yeah, but it's expensive relative to you know London or San Francisco. It's not very expensive. No, no, no. Oh, that's very, that's very cool. I will, I will look into that. Um, I do like the idea of picking up a little studio apartment um, and, and 
doing this Airbnb thing. I've had this idea for for quite some time. Um, you so also think, have yeah. the added advantage if you're a you know a person approaching that age where you've kind of stopped going out, but you go out every now and then. <laughs> it's nice to know that if you ever need it, you've always got a place in the city, especially if you're you're living out in the suburbs. I, I am. It's true. I am of that age. And um, you mentioned you, you've got a daughter. I, I've just had a, my first child, four months old now. So it's, that's a big challenge. Oh, congratulations. Thanks, man. How, how old is yours, if I can ask? I've got two. So I've oh. got a five-year-old and a daughter that's nearly going two now. Excellent. Yeah, it does so change things, doesn't it? Yeah. You won't, be, you won't be going out or sleeping for the next two years. So no, I have, I have no um, <laughs> desire to go out. <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you're all paid up on Netflix because that is the only thing you will be doing for yeah, a long yeah, yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah as entertainment that's cool man um what, what a great background i know you've got a, a hard stop you've got to get off now um really great to talk to you uh i mean you got into internet business um so early way earlier than me i mean i didn't start understanding how i could leverage seo and building sites until 2012 2013 um so i'm, I'm pretty envious about that and uh very cool you've Thank had you. such success and you've been able to sell um you know the the centurica would you call it like a productized service or it's more of a yeah, service? Yeah, it's yeah. a, well, a commoditized yeah. service. Yeah, that's very cool. And to to cash out with uh, all the all the websites that you've done and uh, now have the focus on, on software. Uh, yeah, big, big respect. And uh, so it. that would be the best place for people to reach out. But I also know you have a website called Exit Plan. Um, so what would be the best domain for people to, to contact you? For sure. So if they head over to exitplan.co, there is a uh, contact form on there. Um, shoot me an email through there and that will come right through to me. Very cool. And you've got uh, advice for buyers. It's an ebook and uh, some other um, packages as well on there, which is which is really cool that I'll link up to. Um, great to talk to you, Justin. Appreciate your time. And, you too. Uh, be good to, to keep in touch. And uh, yeah, I look forward to hearing about the property side and uh, maybe asking a few more tips. Thanks, Richard. <laughs> Thanks for your time. Thanks, man. Cheers. Take care. Hey, guys. Hope you enjoyed that episode. I certainly learned a lot, and it's kind of reinforced my thinking of the importance of, if you can, being able to focus on just one thing. Um, it's very powerful. Uh, my one thing is currently four different websites that I'm working on, but uh, you know, it's the same process for everything. I'm not being distracted with client work or, or service-based businesses. Everything I'm doing now is, is working on building up these sites to be sold. Thanks again to Ahrefs for sponsoring this episode. To be in with a chance for winning an annual subscription, just leave a comment on the show notes at richardpater.com forward slash optimum feedback and give me and Ahrefs a tweet. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, it would really help if you left a rating and review on iTunes or however you are, are consuming this content, whether Stitcher or SoundCloud. Those ratings help. Uh, they help other people discover the show. So I will catch you guys soon. Thanks for listening. Cheers. Music